Tonight, uh, I want to continue. As we, as we were worshiping the Lord, this kept coming to me. Uh, Exodus chapter, chapter 23, verse 25. It says, So you, you shall serve the Lord your God. Who's God? Your God. Your God. So you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water. Anything that concerns your life. Bread and water. That's your life. When you serve God, he'll take care of you. That's what he's saying. When you serve God, he is going to take care of you. No doubt about it. If you serve so, now you've made up your mind. I'm going to serve God. You are in church tonight. There are others who are having parties. Do you get any benefit from being in the presence of God? Sure you will. God doesn't overlook anything. There's nothing in this world that God overlooks. When he multiplied five five loaves, he says, pick every piece, put them together. So nothing is lost. That's the kind of God that you serve. You being here in his presence tonight, you've honored him. And God said, those who honor me, I will honor. Now, when God honor you, is it going to be in secret? No. He says, when you go into his presence in secret, he rewards you how? Openly. So the world can see that you have been in his presence. But we don't expect these things. We're just like a religious thing. We go to church and we go come out from church the same. No, there's been, while you were sitting in the presence of Jesus, there's a lot of transactions going on in your life that you are not even aware of. You're never the same the way that you came in. Jesus said to the disciples, you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. Were they aware that they were being cleansed? They didn't have any clue. But God Almighty knew they were sitting in the very presence of the Word of God, the very presence of God, and you can't be in God's presence and come out of God's presence without His glory upon your life and your forehead shining. Amen. That's the God we serve. Not the religious God. I mean the true God that we serve. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water. That's truth. When you serve God, He is going to bless your bread and your water. If you don't expect it, then you are not really walking by faith. And anything that is not of faith is sin. Because faith is the only source of righteousness. There is no other way to be righteous before God. Only through faith. That's the only source of righteousness. You can't be righteous by good works. And so faith is believing. So when God tells you, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will, not me, will bless your bread and your water. That's everything that concerns you. Your children, your bank account, your retirement, everything that they are killing and worrying about in the world, God says He will give you. He will bless your bread and your water. He says no one... We suffer miscarriage, not be barren in the land. 
He, first of all, he says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. In other words, I'm going to get sickness away. That's going to hinder you. If I'm blessing you, sickness will hinder that blessing. And I'm going to take it away from you. He's not going to be a part of your life. Can I hear an amen? I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage. Miscarriage means you started something and you're going to birth it, right? And then he gets wasted in the way. God says that's never going to happen to you. Why is it happening to Christians? We don't believe it. And the only way God knows to do transaction is through faith. That's the only currency for transaction with God. If he says it, if you don't believe it, that's because either you don't know it or you refuse to believe it. But if you believe it and you act on it, God commits himself by his word. When God gives you a word, he's committing himself to his word. Basically, I can't be God if I don't keep my words. That's why he says, I, didn't I tell you that? I am the Lord and I have given you this commandment. God says, I'm standing behind it. I'll make sure I do it. I watch over my words to perform it. So once you start acting on it, it meets you right there. It never fails. I remember when I wrote that in that book, I quickly discovered something. And, and, and just, it just came to me because in my day, in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, all you hear about, uh, about in church, people receiving the Holy Spirit was, let's tarry and wait for God. Let's wait for the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's wait on God. And, and, and they talk about seeking the Holy Spirit. You, you heard that? Let's seek the Holy Spirit. And I started thinking, why do we have to seek the Holy Spirit? He's not lost. We're the world's lost. <laughs> why do we have to look for Him? And, and then we do all kinds of stuff, you know. And, and we bring people up to pray for the Holy Spirit. And, and they told us to do it. You seek and I wake up real early in the morning. And I'm seeking the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm sick, and I'll be yelling and screaming and seeking him. Nobody's answering. And after, after my hour of prayer, nothing has happened. I haven't spoken in tongues. I, I, I say, it feels good to seek him. I walk out of that place waiting the next, to come back the next day to seek him. And I was feeling really good about seeking him. And I started thinking in my mind, when am I going to know that I've sought him enough, you know, before I receive? We're all in that place. When? When is it going to happen? No one was telling me that. And so God, God made it very clear to me. He said, just like Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, you remember that? It was solid. Otherwise, he won't take the next step. If I took the first step and I sink a little bit, I'll grab onto the boat. I'm going nowhere. Right back in. But it was right solid. And God was saying, once you step out in faith, I meet you right there. Not a split second. Not one split second goes by. He meets you right there. And so once I discovered that, I told people, you open your mouth after we've prayed to receive the Holy Spirit and begin to speak. Don't be afraid. You won't speak one word that won't come from the Holy Spirit. And guess what was happening? Once they start, it's the very first word, the Holy Spirit's there. Because he watches over his word 
to perform it. That's the same principle goes. Ministers who pray for people to be healed, they say, do what you couldn't do before. You know what they are trying to get you to do? To take the first step. And once you make up your mind to take the first step, he meets you right there. But once you hesitate, he says you are not fit for the kingdom. You don't understand it here. Everyone who puts his hands on the plow and hesitates, you are not fit. God says, I'm not this one. Next. (laughs) The next one. Go by. And Kenneth Hagin used to do that. He walk up to you. He says, I'm going to pray for you. Do you believe you're going to be healed? You say, well, I hope so. He says, next. <laughs> he said, I had 100%. Everyone who says, yes, sir. He, he lays his hand on them and God meets them right there. Faith is not works. Amen. It's the gift of God. It's a gift. If I hand you my Bible... I said, I just bought this Bible to you, Pastor, for you, Pastor Al. You can have it. I'm excited to give it to you. And, and then he goes on his knees and says, Please, brother, good luck. Can I have the Bible? I said, What's the matter with you? I bought it for you. Why don't you just take it? Just reach out. Take it. You don't have to have all that drama so people can think you're really begging to get it. What good do you get from that? Just receive it. Because God gave it out of love. Just giving it to us so we can receive. He's not asking us to strive. He's asking us to just receive. Receive. Just receive what He's given to us. And there's nothing that's impossible with God. Everything that God does with man starts small. Most people get discouraged before God is through with them. Everyone that God has used greatly, find out, read about their lives. Everything starts very small, very discouraging. You almost give up because you are looking with with your own natural eyes. When God called Abraham, he was so small. For 25 years, he had very little in the way of children to show for what God has called him on. That was the main thing in his life. In other words, if God, this is my pain, if you can get out away from me, I'll be fine. But it took 25 years. Everything. And now look, you're sitting here before God, children of Abraham. He's got children from all over the world. From all colors, all ethnic groups, all over the world. All children of Abraham. By faith. By faith. Just trusting God. And acting on it, walking away, forgetting what people say, just by faith. God can do these things for us. Amen? Well, where did I go from? <laughs> I wanted to preach my message, okay? There are keys to biblical prosperity. And God really wants to prosper His children. I found out something this last week. Poverty mentality. Everything will cost. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. And it's like something rolling in your head constantly. You understand? Can't afford that. Can't afford that. Can't afford that. Can't afford that. Guess where it's come from? Do you think God will be thinking? Can't afford that. Can't afford that. That's all. That's all. Too expensive. Can't. Is that the way Jesus thinks? Can't afford that. Where did we get this from? 
Where did we get that kind of thinking from? That's a big hindrance for us. Because as a man thinks in his heart, that's who you are. That's a revelation for me this week. And I'm saying, God, you've got to help me. I've got to get rid of this poverty mentality. Can't afford that. Too big. Ooh, ooh, wow. That's the way we react. And, you know, I read, your God is too small. Your God, it's not God is too small. Your God, the way you've, you've formed your own God, and that's, this God is really small. He can't do much. He's really powerless. Can't do much. I think I need God to renew my mind. Amen? I need God to change the way I think. I need my mind renewed. Because, as the Bible says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think or imagine. If you can imagine it, God says, I can do better than that. Is that all you can give me? I can do better than that. But if you start talking big around Christians, it won't be too long before they look at you and who do you think you are talking this way? You just got saved yesterday. You're talking. Where did you get that from? And, and, and they are happy to tell you, don't worry. After a few days, you're, you're going to come back down to earth. Hello? All these big talkies, you, you haven't been through temptation yet. When, when you've been through, you're going to be just, just like us down here. I hear that a lot. And we discourage these young people from flying. Because we, we believe that the way we are is the way we, 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 we ought to just keep scratching and digging through earth. And I'm not sure, I don't think that's, that's the will of God for us. We really need to expand our mind. There's nothing that's impossible with God. There's nothing too late. Even if he's dead, it's never too late for Jesus. He says all things are possible with him. Just ask him, call him. He may delay a little bit, but he's coming. When he gets there, everything changes. That's the Jesus we serve. It's never too late for him. Nothing surprises him. He doesn't say, well, I haven't heard this. This is a new one. I haven't seen this before. There's nothing new under the sun. He's seen everything. And he can help. And the Holy Spirit can help. He is called the helper. The helper. Notice, not a helper. The helper. I mean, in your finances, he is what? The helper. With your children, he is called what? The helper. With your marriage, it doesn't matter what it is. He is the helper. Your education, it doesn't matter what you... I, I remember in those days when I was in college, this guy was asking, Brother Goodluck, I just want to make a C. I said, is that all you want? You want me to pray for you to make a C? Well, you can pray for yourself that way. Well, I don't feel like I could join you with this. He testified about that. He asked for a C, but God gave him better than that. But I challenged him in those days. Uh, I was a little crazy when I was in college <laughs> with things, some of those things. I, I believe God could do anything. But the, the mature Christians, are, before long, they will bring you to the earth, okay? They will bring you to what they call reality. Have you heard about that word? 
reality. <laughs> this is the reality. This book is. What it says is the real thing. Every other thing is a lie. And if you stand with this book, you stand with the majority. Because you are standing with God, and He's going to make the world see that you are standing with Him. God never does anything in secret. He's, Jesus said, I spoke everything that I spoke openly. I said everything, I did everything openly before now. I never did anything in secret. When He wants to do it, He does it for the world to see. Why? Because He loves them. He wants them to know that He is a good God. And everything that Satan has been saying about Him is a lie. Look at what God has done in this life. And then when they see, they want, to meet, they want to go back to this God. We have to believe that God wants you blessed. The word blessed means divine favor. That means on your life you carry divine favor. Everywhere you go, you are favored. Divine favor opens every door for you. There cannot be any door that can be closed when you have on your life divine favor. It may appear to be closed, but that's because with everything, there is a season. There is a time for everything under heaven. It may not be the time yet. Wait. That's why I like that scripture. Those who wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings. Amen. That's what it is. We need to learn to wait. Not to give up, just to wait. Just a little bit. There's always an appointed time. The day of Pentecost was one particular day. There was that appointed time. The day before, nothing happens. But on that very day, there's going to be a rushing mighty wind coming down. Because the fullness of time has come. And for everything in life, there is the fullness of time. Never give up on anything. I can't say that enough. Anything that's good that God, you're waiting for God to do in your life, don't give up on it. Never give up on anything good that you are expecting God to do in your life. Don't give up. Because there is an appointed time. God's going to do it. And He'll keep you alive so that you see it. He'll keep you alive. He'll take care of you. He will make sure you survive until your destiny is revealed. He will make sure you survive. You may go through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll keep you. But he said, I'll be with you. You, you can't go through that valley on your own. He's going to be with you while you're going through it. But when you get, get on the other side, like I said, there will be a table prepared for you. In the presence of your enemies. You see, God never destroys your enemies. He, want them to f he wants them to feel the pain while you are sitting at the table enjoying his, good his goodness. If he kills them, they won't see you enjoying his goodness <laughs> and feel the pain of watching you eating and enjoying yourself even though they've tried to destroy you. That's the God we serve. Amen. So we must believe that God wants you to prosper. It's God's will for you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. And God is the one that gives you the power to get wealth. You know, 
uh, this last week, you know, spending time with the Lord, and uh, all of a sudden, I got to listen to Paul Youngicho. You know who know who that is? David Youngicho. So something came up, on, uh, and I started listening to him. He said, I, I know people are saying I'm preaching prosperity. He said, yeah, I have to preach prosperity. That's the scripture. I've got to preach it. In my church, he said, I've taught the people there are millionaires all over the place in his church. Multi-millionaires. He started teaching them years ago, and they listened. Now, there are so many, there are too, this is South Korea. There are so many millionaires in his church. He said, I have to teach it. Because we were hurting, we were poor, and things was rough after the, after the Korean War. I'm very grateful to Americans. You came and helped us, he said. But look, I got to preach. Things were rough for us, and God is confirmed it. That's what we're doing. It's God's will. It's God's will for you to have. It's God's will for you to be able to pay your bills. Get rid of that lie. Get rid of that poverty mentality it's not of God I don't have to be in debt that thing is crazy, it's painful God can help you there are people out there that have a lot of Christians are talking about how to manage there are those, I heard this person say but I don't have to go there and look at the price and think I, I can pay for it and I'm, I feel blessed I don't have to worry about it that's what God wants for his children. So you're not bothered by that. And when there's a need, we've got to help cover. One person can say, how much do you need, Pastor, for that cover to outreach? I'll give it to you. That's what Paul said about the, to the Corinthians. Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, through your giving, others somewhere else will be giving thanks to God. Because you gave. They are thanking God because you are able to put it out. Through your giving, someone else is blessed. What can be wrong with that? Satan knows his, his trick is to keep us down so that the gospel of Christ will not go out. That's what he wants. So he keeps lying to us. And he keeps people in the church that mean well and keep telling us all of those people are preaching heresies. You don't want to believe that. And, and after, it's so funny when I watch some of these guys who are against that, they, they, they come against it so strongly. And then afterwards, they're telling you, please send some money to my ministry. I don't want to. You've, you said you have to be poor, but, but I, why do you want me to send money to your ministry? And do what I'm going through, and you see what is happening. It's not of God. But you hear it so often, it becomes your thought pattern. You've accepted it. And you look at your situations and you make your calculations based on your moral understanding of the earth. Fleshly understanding. And then you accept what, less than what God has given to you. In one year, one single year, God transformed Abraham's life. One instance, just one instance. When he came out of it, out of a drought, the Bible says the man Abraham 
was, became so wealthy, he became very rich. Herds, flocks, silver, gold, employees. God gave it to him. He didn't work for it. God gave. God just gave him. And we are under the same covenant. Abraham was before the law. So we have a new covenant that's tied to Abraham, not the law. Because Abraham, his covenant was before the law. That's why we are called children of Abraham. Because Abraham lived by faith. He had no law. There was no Ten Commandments for Abraham. He didn't have to live by any Ten Commandments. Abraham was before Ten Commandments. And so God took us back. And so if you want to see how God deals with his children, look at Abraham's life. Look at Isaac's life. Look at Jacob. Look at Joseph. That's the way he deals with them. He gives us the power to get wealth. If getting wealth is wrong, why would God give you power to get it? And where is the power to get wealth? I want it, God. Baptize me me with it and may I never recover. I want that power. Because God says he's the one. Anything that comes from God is what? Good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And I want more of it. And if God is the one that gives us the power to get wealth, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, I want more of it. Amen? I want more of it. It's got to be a good thing. It's coming from the Holy God. So God gives the power to get wealth. And God wants you to be abundantly supplied. And He guarantees that. He wants you to be abundantly supplied. And I said in my last sermon, last sermon there is a place called there. And I'm still looking for that one thing. That God, maybe one person, that God, one situation that God will bring into your life is never too late. Sometimes we think, well, I wish God, I would, I wish God would have done this while I was a, a young man. <laughs> Are you the one who determines when God should do it? What if, if he did it when you were a young man and you're completely, you, you, lose, you lost your mind and everything? That doesn't work. God knows the best time. But he's going to do it. There is a place called there. And God will bring you to that place. Amen. God will bring you to your place. Your large place. In Jesus name. Amen. Now. There is what I call qualification for abundance. This is where the the difficulty comes. Qualification for abundance. Now. Let me make myself clear. When we talk about qualifications, we're not talking about works. God doesn't want us to work. Have you heard about people talking about uh, warfare? Uh, Warfare? We are not in any warfare. We are the clean-up crew. Okay? 
The warfare is already, the battle is already been won. You understand what I'm saying? We are not in, we are not in, we are not battling anything. How can you uh, fight with the devil that's already whipped? Right? He's been, he's been destroyed. He has no power. Jesus paralyzed him, took every power that he has. You're not going to be fighting with a dead person, right? He's dead. But in the Old Testament, after they go into battle, and they destroy the enemy, guess what is done? They go for the spoil, right? It seems like work, but everything they pick is for good, right? It's for their good. We are cleaning up and taking the spoil for ourselves. The gold, the silver that the enemy had on them, everything that they had, we're collecting them. Seems like work, but it's joyful work. That's why the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Because it's a good fight. You're winning. There's, there's no defeat. So there is qualification here to God's abundance in our lives. Physical and material prosperity depends on spiritual prosperity. Both. Because God wants you first to prosper in your body in your soul, materially. And that's what the Bible tells us in 3 John verse one, chapter 1, verse 2. That's 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, or Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? All things. Now, we have to understand, when John is writing, this is the Holy Spirit writing. He is the Lord of the harvest. He was with John, at that time, just like Jesus was, he could, he's a spirit, he uses John to write what he's saying. And you know, the Holy Spirit prays. Read Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit prays, but he prays through us. And John was saying, the Holy Spirit is praying, the Holy Spirit prays, and he says, I pray that you may prosper uh, in all things and be in health. Not healed, be in health. There is a difference. Amen? Not healed, but be in health. If you're sick, he wants you healed. But he wants you to stay healthy. That's God's will. That's what the Holy Spirit is praying for. I really need to let us know the Holy Spirit prays. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. <coughs> Excuse me. Romans 8 verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our witnesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Who is doing the praying here? Have you seen the Holy Spirit praying in church at the ark one time? <laughs> I'm just being ridiculous. But he prays through us, right? But he's really praying. Amen? He prays through us. He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he, that's the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit prays. And that's what John was saying. John 
the Spirit of God praying through him, you know, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So that's God's will. It didn't say you'll be there, but that's what God really wants for every one of us. Can I hear an amen? He wants you to prosper. Not in some things. Everything. Everything. And so you walk around saying, God, I'm going to prosper in all things. Amen? Can you say that? Walk around your room. That's prayer. That's real prayer. That's powerful prayer. You're praying scriptures. Thank you, God, because according to your word, I'm going to prosper in all things, and I'm going to be in health. That's your will for me. Just as my soul is prospering, and you're declaring that. The Bible says, declare a thing, and it shall be established. You declare it, and God's going to establish it. And this is how we can read ourselves of the poverty mentality. Can't afford that. Can't afford that. Ooh, can't afford that. Uh, I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching at myself as well, okay? Because, hell no, I can't afford that. And if you see somebody, a Christian, that get, where did he get the money to buy that? Have you heard that? It's like a shock for them. Where did he get the money? Is it, what is he doing? Why does he have to be doing anything for you to see? He may be praying a lot. Amen. Rejoice with them. So God wants us to prosper. The real prince, the key principle here is God must be before success and wealth in your life. It's got to be. You see, let me put it this way, and that's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me this afternoon. Everywhere God goes, success and prosperity follow. Everywhere He goes. If God walks, glory follows. If He's dark in the room, and they're wasting away in the room, and dying, and God shows up, everything changes. Light, brightness, goodness, glory, mercy, all of it will show up. Everywhere he goes, goodness and mercy follow. This is what, what I was getting. If, you, if God's moving and you are walking right next to him or behind him, guess what's following you? Success and prosperity. They follow you everywhere you go because guess what? You're following God. And those two things cannot walk away from God. Cannot. They don't know how to. They always follow God. So success and prosperity, that's not what you should pursue. You pursue after your God. With the knowledge that as I pursue God, I got these servants following me everywhere I go. That's why the Bible says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days of my life? Oh, why? Because all the days of my life, I'm following God. I'm following God. So I got those two servants 
powerful servants that are following me everywhere I go. When I need mercy, I turn to mercy. And I'm helped. When I need goodness, He's right there for me. Because I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. And you can't follow Jesus empty-handed. Something's got to follow you when you follow Jesus. Goodness got to follow you. So the key is to follow God, put God first, and not success and prosperity. It's backward when you begin to pursue that, and that's your goal for life. You're trying to prove something. That's what it is. And what's going to happen is pride. And guess what the Bible says? Pride goes, and guess what's following? A fall. When you are pursuing success and prosperity, and you place that before God, what will follow you, instead of humility, pride follows. And guess what's behind pride? A fall. So the real key is, I'm pursuing after God. And when you are pursuing after God initially, people will even laugh. You know, I was reading from Kenneth Hagin's book. He said, at that early stage when he began to understand God's principle, because he asked questions and the Holy Spirit was showing him, this is what it is. He said, at that time, I was not only scratching from the bottom of the barrel, I was underneath the bottom of the barrel. I was, under, I was below it. The barrel was on top of me. Things were that difficult. But he knew not to worry about it. He had gotten the secret. He was going to pursue after God. And he understood those things were there. And I read about Frederick Price. I read about his life. Just, just he wanted God. Nothing mattered. But he knew you will live on the earth. We need things. And Frederick said, ah, in those days, things were tough. And he could care less. He was following after God. They even had to rent a television. And he couldn't pay the bills. They, somebody, they, they repossessed his television. <laughs> Today, God's blessed him. and His children all over the world bought him a Bentley. Gave it to him. Sometimes, you know, we are very uh, insincere with what's going on in our heart. <clears throat> And, and, and I think that God doesn't like that. God wants you to be real forthright. Don't tell yourself, oh, I don't need that. But you know it's not true because you know if, they, if it's given to you, you'll like it. You may criticize somebody that you, because they have a Bentley, but if they give you one, you're going to take it. And you may not sleep on that, that night because you, you can't wait to call your friend to share, share with them. But then <laughs> that's the thing that's happening. And the reason is you're double-minded. And a double-minded person is not going to get anything from God. What do you really want? Even if you've suffered in the past, let today be a new day. Amen? Things, anything can change anytime. We're just talking about finances and prosperity. It's much, but the same principle holds in every area of life. Every area of life. Angel and I, we are so grateful for our children. My children. We don't teach them very much. I take the credit for everything that they do, but... Oh, yes. 
But we don't talk to them too much. It's just like God's teaching them. And I see that in the scriptures. Well, I, I didn't grow up in a pastor's home. I'm first generation pastor. Hopefully there will be another generation. I don't know. But they seem to understand what my role is in the church without me telling them. So I don't feel like, well, I don't want to do this because they won't understand. They just seem to get it. They just seem to get it. And Angela and I have come to realize this is just God's grace because we don't teach these kids these things. I don't tell them, this is, you know, we're pastors and this is how to deal with this. Or when we have issues, this, don't do this. This is because we're pastors. We don't never do that. But I've never heard one word in the church here. My kids have said this or done this or something. They're not perfect. I know that. But there are certain things I'm very grateful to God for. And I have no single fear in my heart about their future. I just don't have any fear. We don't teach them. We don't help them with their homework. I just have always believed they're going to be smart and they get a college degree because they are children of God. He gave them to me. He's going to take care of them. That's what he said. He said that. Your children will be taught of God. And if God teaches my children, this has got to be smart. How can God teach a kid and he's not smart? Think about that. He can't teach my children and they're dumb. Amen. They've got to be smart. We serve a real God. And he's, He'll take care of us. I got no fear by the grace of God. There's no need to fear anything. The worst thing in life is to die. And I'm ready. I, you, if I leave this place, boy, uh, I have a real nice place over there. There's nothing to fear. I just have to live my life. Secondly, don't prove any. I have nothing to prove to anybody. So I can handle criticism. I can. People criticize. That's okay. This is part of life. I was telling Pastor John. You remember John that came from Africa. He preached here. He was telling me all these things. What happened to ministers. And all these bad things people say. And people do to them. I looked at him. He said. I said. Yeah. It comes with the territory. If you are a minister. You got to go through that. She doesn't face me. That's part of my life. I have to hear bad things and good things. It's just part of life. I don't have to get all worked up on it. It's just part of what I'm called to be, a Christian. You're a Christian, you've got to go through it. Now, if I hear something that is contrary, that's contrary to my life and I know it's wrong, well, that's the time to lock myself in. Amen? And it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's helping me to know what I need to change. And I can change it. I go to him. The only one who can really change me. So I go to him. And this person has helped me by criticizing me. That's good. You helped me. (laughs) So you're my friend. Because you helped me. I want to know him. Amen. I want to serve him. I want to be the best I can for him. That's all. I really want to be the best for him. I don't want the greatest pain I have. If anything that I'm doing brings criticism to God, that's very painful for me. And I cost it. That's very painful. I would rather pay the price than for people to, to start saying bad things about God because of the way things are with me or something that I've done. 
that's very painful for me. Very, very painful. Because I want my life to give him glory. That's very important. So the most important thing, put him first. Put him first. Make him number one. And be willing to suffer for him. If you don't recognize that there is a suffering that you have to go through because of him, you don't, you don't have understanding yet. And you're not going to go very far with God. There is an understanding of suffering, what the Bible calls reproach, that you have to go through for God to begin to do great things in your life. And Moses recognized that. And I'm going to go through that again next week. Moses recognized that. He knew it. He was born into the house of Pharaoh. Moses knew that wealth was coming to him because he was considered Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter's son. He was in line when we know of only one Pharaoh's son during the time of Moses. But possibly that Pharaoh, at that time that he was dealing with Moses, was a brother to Moses. Because of the sister. He was raised in that place. And Egypt was number one country, just like the U.S., in the world at that time. So you can imagine where he was coming from. He was way up there in the world. But Moses was able to recognize and he was able to discern between the children of God and the children of the world, Egypt. He knew the difference. He had to make a choice. I can stay and be Pharaoh and enjoy all of these things in Egypt. But I can also Deny myself of this and go with the people of God and suffer the reproach because with the reproach comes a reward. And the reward comes from God and God alone. You put God number one. Let me read that scripture to you. In Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to close with this, verse 24 through 26, it says, by faith, notice again, by faith, that's the only way you can do it. No other way. By faith, so Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't want that. And he only did it by faith. He recognized it knowing the God of Israel. I'm sure his mother taught him that. Because he was raised in his mother's home. So he knew about the God of Abraham. So by faith, he didn't want to be that part he wanted to be with God, Abraham's family. That's where he wanted. He says, choosing rather to suffer affliction. So he was on top. There was no need, you, there was no way you could hurt him anywhere. But the people of God, at that time, the people of God were way at the bottom. But Moses saw through it by faith. That's the best group in the world. I'm going to be a part of them. Good's coming to these people. 
even though they are down today. He, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's the word here, verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Okay? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to what? The reward. The reproach of Christ has reward. So he rejected everything he knew in the natural and he was looking for a reward that came from God by faith. He esteemed the things of the world lightly. So money, that's your servant. No big deal. You got to do that. God is number one. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So there's a lot of revelation there. He was not looking at what he could see with his eyes. He was looking at Jesus, God, that he couldn't see. And this man, in his time, knew very well, there is a God that I can see. I don't want this thing, the things of Egypt and all the riches and all of that. I'm not going to put God, that before God. I'm going after God. I may suffer for some time, but I know things are going to change. But that's exactly what happened. No greater man. God said, with Moses, I speak to him face to face, like a man speaks to his friend. There's no greater privilege than that. There's no greater wealth than to be able to... Moses had no need. If he needed food, manna came from heaven. If he needed meat, well, quail came from the wilderness. He had no need. He was abundantly supplied. He looked to that reward. So the first requirement is make God number one. I got to stop here tonight. But stand up with me tonight. What I'm doing is this. I, from the very beginning when we started the Ark Fellowship, I started saying, I'm believing God for five million years. Brian is, I'm sure you heard that. Yes, I've been saying that for a while. And uh, I'm not going to leave this life. I'll see it. It's one thing to have somebody come out from somewhere. He's already a millionaire. That's good. I will accept that. But I'm looking for one that God starts working on right here. And God's going to do it. Amen? Not because of the money. The money is a side issue. I just want God to see God's hand in the life. And how God uses a man. And God can do it. And you are it. God can make you a millionaire. He's possible. I've, I've heard stories about that. A retired woman that God gave an idea, one single idea. And she's a multimillionaire now. God can do it. Even after retirement. Amen? God can bless you. Lift your hands up to the Lord tonight. And, and let him know that you expect good from him. You are his, you are his daughter. You are his child. You are his son. He cannot overlook your life. Your life is too important for him to just overlook. No matter what's happening in your life, God cannot overlook you. You were bought with the blood of his son, the life of his son. You are that precious to him. 
Yes, things have happened to you in the past. But this is a new day. And God is doing a new thing. We believe God is doing a new thing. The frustrations are going to go out of your life by the power of the name of Jesus. And God is going to rearrange everything and put order in your life in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I come against every demonic force that is against your life, against your family, against your finances, against Anything that's good that God's placed in your life. I come against those things tonight as a servant of God in the name of Jesus. I command those forces to live your life in Jesus' name. And according to the word of God, I command his blessings upon your life tonight in the name of Jesus. I command his peace in Jesus' name to come upon your life. I command his joy to flow from your heart in the name of Jesus that His goodness and mercy will be upon your life in Jesus' name. If you need a job, God will give you one in Jesus' name. If you need your bills paid, God will help you to do that in Jesus' name. If you need a lifting, God will lift you up in Jesus' name. With His mighty right hand, He's going to give you understanding. God will enlighten your eyes. God will lift up your head. God will put His glory upon your life. And those things that are standing against you tonight in the name of Jesus, I command those things to live in Jesus' name. And His goodness to come upon your life. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're hurting in any part of your body, please place your hand right there where you're hurting. And God's going to heal you right now in Jesus' name. God's going to heal you. I command the power of the living God, the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you right now and bring healing into your body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you are being healed right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. That sickness is leaving you. That pain is disappearing from your body right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is healing your nerves. God is taking the pain away tonight by the power of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Now, remember what I said. You take that first step, He meets you right there. So you can do what you couldn't do before. And you'll find your healing right there. And don't let Satan come back and tell you, Oh, the pain just started again. Tell him where to go. Amen. Get out of my life. I got healed. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed.